this one works. Did I scare you guys? I scared myself a little bit. Whew. All right, thanks, guys. Do you see this fancy pulpit? It's like shelving and stuff. I know. Cheryl thought it was blue. But it's not. All right, you guys, you guys okay? <laughs> so, uh, so my name is Sean. Uh, I'm our pastor over our ministry schools. I'm our senior associate pastor. For those of you who don't know me, um, and we're doing some stuff in CSSM this quarter, actually on healing. And uh, man, it's just been really amazing to 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 just encounter the God of healing in a fresh way. And so if you're here this morning and you need healing in your body, just stand up right now. J just stand up. If you need healing in your body, just stand up. You know, what we're discovering is that Jesus actually heals all. That it says that, that, that in, in Acts that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and went around doing good. And he, it says that he actually healed the sick, undoing the power of the devil. He healed all who were sick. And we're just rediscovering afresh right now just the blood of Jesus. What he paid for is for all. It's not for some. It's not for uh, certain things. It's not for uh, fresh things. It's for all. It could be something that has been lingering. It could be something that is new. It's for all. And uh, so what we're going to do is those of you uh, sitting around them, you have faith. How many of you know all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed? How many of you... You have faith. Your faith has been activated this morning. I want you to just lay hands on that person's shoulder. I want you to lay hands on, on just their elbow. Just go ahead and just begin to pray for them. You don't have to uh, ask them what's going on in their body. I want you to just begin to pray the all of healing over their life. Because there's something that Jesus paid for, and it's called all. It's called all. That he healed all who were, who were oppressed by the devil. That there is nothing that he didn't heal. And so right now, just go ahead and pray. Holy Spirit, we just release the all of what you purchased over them, God. The all of their healing, Jesus. No more 90%, uh, no more 10%. The all of their healing, God. Lord, it's by your stripes they were healed. Lord, the way you paid for, for sins, you paid for sickness, God, in the same breath. Lord, that you are our God who forgives all of our sin and heals all of our diseases, all of our dysfunctions, God, that you redeem it all. So right now, we just release that wind and that word of all over you, that all of healing over your life right now in Jesus' name. And we just say, Lord, would you fill them afresh today, God? Would you fill them afresh with a fresh fire, with a fresh knowledge right now? I just see this fire coming over you guys, just this fresh fire right now, just coming and sweeping and, and, and brushing some things aside and just releasing life and that renewed life of Christ inside of you. So Holy Spirit, we just release the all of heaven over every single one standing today. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. If you can test it out, go ahead and test it out and see what's going on. Sometimes it, it, it might be something you can't test out. But if you, you can test it out, go ahead and do it. And if you get some breakthrough, give us a shout. If you got a breakthrough, wave your hands. We just want to celebrate. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I think I shared this testimony recently, but uh, a friend of mine, um, uh, 
family member was in the hospital with uh, like multiple aneurysms in their brain, and uh, they 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 asked they're like, hey, is it in the Bible that you can uh, pray for a cloth or like anoint a cloth or a napkin or like a handkerchief and and, and give it to someone, and and God would heal them? I was like, yeah, totally. Acts 19 told them where it was. They looked it up. They read it. They anointed this thing with oil and sent it a couple states away to New York, where this where this person is in the hospital. And they gave it to. So when you're in the hospital, you usually have friends and family around you, right? So they gave instruction to the, the to uh, Donna, who was taking care of Michael. Uh, Donna, who's a Catholic, got the cloth and was told, uh, "This is what you do. You lay it on him on his head." And I want you to just anoint him right now with the Holy Spirit and pray right now just in the name of Jesus for that healing to to come. So she's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. And she gets the cloth, gets it mailed to her, gets it, puts it on Michael's head, prays. Doctors come in that afternoon and say, we don't know what happened, but he's going to make a full recovery. Come on, Jesus. I love Catholics. You know, because Catholic believe in miracles. I grew up Catholic. Like, I remember that. Like, we believe in miracles. I mean, come on. If your church, if you don't start taking it, man, other denominations are going to be taking stuff. I mean, all it takes is just believing. Right? It's not a formula. It's not do that ten times and mail it across, you know, this cer- use a certain kind of oil from the hills of Lebanon or, you know. And I love that stuff. I love that stuff personally. If you have faith, then attach it to it. But all you need is to believe. All, all you need is to believe. I'm not going to, like, 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 this is going to be a really simple word today, is that all you need to do is to believe. Is that these heavy burdens, these heavy things of, like, you have to do X, Y, and Z perfectly, you have to be able to, does this make sense? Like, whatever that religious overtone is of, of, of it, it must be done, you're, you're believing a lie. Jesus did it. Okay, I, it's one person, I think, kind of got that over here. That Jesus really did it. That he so fully, Jesus is the perfect reflection of God. It says in Colossians, this is what I love about Jesus. It says in Colossians that he was the firstborn among the dead. Why? So that he might have supremacy in all things. That he's the first everywhere. It says in Colossians that Jesus is actually, God has withheld, God has withheld something for centuries. He has withheld a promise for centuries. And, it was, and he has a secret plan that he withheld, and it's a mystery to people. And it actually says in Colossians that that secret mystery is Christ in you being revealed to the world. That Jesus is God's secret plan on the planet. That he's his secret plan in your life. That he's his secret plan to release hope to the world. That it's Jesus. So just shake off religion right now. It's just Jesus. Like, it's about Jesus. Your whole life, everything is about Jesus. What if your whole life was supposed to be so about Jesus that in your life he would have supremacy in all things? That every part of your life he would have supremacy. That he would have lordship. That he would have intimacy. You know, I've heard it this way, is that that Jesus... 
Jesus was revealing the Father and that you are revealing Jesus to the world. The way Jesus revealed the Father, you are revealing Jesus. And we're not going to, I'm actually not going to read that much in it, but in Colossians it says that you are being renewed in the image of your creator. Is this, is this connected with, with some of us in the room? If you're looking for like a, a, a perfect illustration, like this is it today, guys. <laughs> it's, you're, it's, it's about Jesus. If it's not about Jesus, it won't work. Apply that to any area of your life. If it's not about Jesus having the supremacy, it won't work. Or it'll make you really toxic. Jesus is just so, so good. That woman, that, that, that woman uh, Donna, who I was referring to, I mean, she was a very passive Catholic. You know, she really didn't have a relationship with God, so that's why she's asking, what should I do? Well, through that healing, she got saved like three days ago. I just had, so you guys want to hear another testimony? I just had someone share this this morning, and so I'm going to share it. Um, is that uh, I'm going to... A man who was in the occult for over 10 years, like as a wizard and a warlock, okay? So deeply entrenched in the occult. He recently had an encounter with God and gave his life to Jesus. And he said, I felt for the first time in my whole life the true overwhelming power of God. I received Jesus as my Savior, and I felt his loving grace wash over me like a flood, and he washed me clean. Never have I experienced such love and power wash over me. I know some of my pagan friends will not be happy with my conversion. And I say to you, be at peace if you want to unfriend me. I understand. And peace to you as you watch the Lord transform me. He's moving to South Carolina and actually has got a full scholarship to Fresh Fire Ministries. It's Todd Bentley's ministry school. <laughs> Todd Bentley recently posted that. Jesus is just so good. There's not darkness that he doesn't overcome. I mean, there's no darkness that he won't overcome. How many of you, it says in, in, in Psalm 103 that he is the forgiver of all of our sins and the healer of all of our diseases. He crowns you with the crown of life and redeems your life from the pit. How many of you, Jesus has, has taken you out of a pit? He's just so good. He's just so good. That Jesus is just so, so good. Mm. I mean, what would your life look like if your life was about the goodness of Jesus all the time? That could change your marriage. That could change your friendships. That could change your relationship with your boss. Uh, conviction deeply set in, I know, right there. That, that what, if, what if it wasn't about you um, connecting with God? What if it, your life was about you connecting other people to God? Because he already connected you. That we spent a lot of time trying to get connected to God when he already connected you. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, like, I'm saying be in love with Jesus. Like, of course connect to Jesus. But I'm saying he did the work to connect you to him. 
But sometimes we get these schizophrenic ideas in our hearts and our minds. We wake up sort of like, am I disconnected from Jesus today? Or, you know, maybe just the, the, through the course of life, the, the, the things, the, the demands on your life, you feel like there's a disconnection. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, you feel that way, and, and, and a lot of your prayer time is just trying to, like, pray, God, would you help me today sort of stuff. Like, God, would you fill me today sort of stuff. And I love that. I mean, every day, one of my favorite things to do is every day I wake up and just, God, fill me with your spirit afresh. You know, I believe in one baptism and many fillings, so today is another day to be filled. But I won't camp there. Like, I, does this make sense? I hunger for that, but I camp at a, at a revelation of God. Help me to release you to those around me today. And what happens is he fills me way more by doing that than by just sitting here hoping to get filled. Does that make sense? That circumstances can drive us into a place that, that is a good thing where, where we are overwhelmed by circumstances and by life. And rather than sort of try to escape that circumstance or try to just, you know, God, like, you know, fill me today. Like, like you know, God, help me. And you just kind of, does this make sense? What if you just in that circumstances knowing that God's going to work stuff out in your life. You don't have to worry about it so much. You actually say, God, help me to, help me to, to release your presence today. If you're waiting for your life to be in perfect order to release God's presence, you'll never release God's presence. How many of you know that he will overwhelm you intentionally with circumstances? A hush goes over the crowd. <laughs> and this is all that I want to hit on today, and, and, and is this. Is, you know, I had someone recently, um, a couple weeks ago, you know, text me, and, you know, this person asked me for, like, scripture verses. Hey, where is this in the Bible? Where is that in the Bible? And it's like, oh, yeah, it's my favorite thing because I love the Bible. How many of you guys love the Bible? Like, I love the Bible. You know, I've heard people say that, like, you know, well, I'm a spirit person, you know. I'm like, well, who do you think wrote the Bible? <laughs> anyway, I love the word. I love the word. If you, man, I love, I love the Bible. And so, so this person, they, 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 you know, come to me and ask me stuff. They don't know where stuff is. I'm like, oh, yeah, here it is. Like, check this out. You know, check this translation. I like this one a lot. And so I give them where it is. And they, they asked me, uh, like, a week or two ago, like, hey, where's that verse um, that, uh, where God says that uh, he won't give you uh, more than you can handle? And I'm like, oh, yeah, here, let me find it for you. Okay, yeah, uh, it's not in there. How many of you have heard, though, that God won't give you more than you can handle? It's an American verse. It's not a biblical verse. It's an American verse. The idea that God won't give you more than you can handle. See, when we start to believe that reality, when our life becomes overwhelming, we'll run to someone to tell us, God won't give me more than I can handle, right? Or we'll look for it in the scripture. You, you won't find it because that's not what he's like. See, he gives you assignments, he gives you promises, and he gives you circumstances based upon who he is and the size of who he sees you as. And both of those things are bigger than you. I'm going to say that again. He will give you things, promises, callings, and circumstances that are the size of him and the size of how he sees you. Not the size of how we see ourselves, not the size of where we're at. And so what happens is we get overwhelmed by circumstances. We get overwhelmed by situations. I have news for you. You're directly probably in the calling of God on your life. Some of you are like, no. And some of you are like, okay, well, uh, give me hope, you know. 
you look in scripture, you name one person who wasn't overwhelmed by the call of God on their life. Find one person who changed the world who wasn't overwhelmed by their circumstances. And I'm not just calling about, I'm not just talking about like the, the, the long-term call of God on your life. If that doesn't overwhelm you, it's not the call of God on your life. Like if that dream doesn't overwhelm you, it's not his dream for you. His dream for you will overwhelm you. You know, every time in scripture that, that God says, I, I will be with you, I will never leave you or forsake you, I will be with you, it, it's because he just gave you an impossible word. See, you've been created to walk in impossibilities. Like, you've been created to release Jesus. You've been created to, to see breakthroughs, bow to the name of Jesus. So what if, so, so what if right now, this season of your life you're in, it feels overwhelming? Maybe it's job, maybe it's marriage, maybe it's life, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's finances. If this season of your life, maybe it's just responsibility. You just have so much responsibility right now. If you're in that place and you don't know what to do and you feel overwhelmed, this is what that overwhelming is supposed to do in our lives. As a believer, God has not forgotten you. He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He has not changed his plan for you. You're probably in the, very, in the very middle of a season, the very middle of his plan for you. And here's what that is supposed to do. Rather than us try to run and try to medicate it through someone who will just kind of give us some sympathy that feels really good for our self-loathing. I feel overwhelmed. Let me find someone who will tell me like, you know, yeah, you, yeah, this is, does this make sense? Who just hops in this like disgusting puddle of like self-loathing, Right. It's like, yeah, we're just going to have some fun and self-loathe for a little bit. And you walk away feeling momentarily better, but ultimately, like, you're still self-loathing. So this overwhelming thing, it's supposed to draw us not into a place of seeking an escape or seeking even a, a, um, uh, seeking a, a way around it. It's actually supposed to drive us into the secret place. It's actually supposed to drive us. You guys have heard this. It's just drive us to our knees for Jesus. Because in that season, you need more of him. You don't have enough of him yet. You know, it's one of the ways that he creates hunger in our lives. And I'm not talking about through sin or sickness. Don't hear me say that. Because those are the things that Jesus came to undo the works of. You guys do hear what I'm saying then. I'm saying through circumstances, calling, situations. Sometimes it's just indecision. Sometimes it's intersections of life that, you know, where do I go from here? What do I do? You feel overwhelmed. You are in a place to discover a garden of his presence. You see, even in Eden, when, when in, in Genesis 2, when God put a garden on earth on his creation, Eden was that place of delight. Eden was that place of refuge. Eden was that place where Adam and Eve had, had dominion, and they were, they were called to cultivate it, they were called to work it, they were called to expand it, meaning that the rest of the planet, that wasn't like that. See, the rest of that planet was surrounded still by chaos. The garden is surrounded by chaos. Meaning when you feel overwhelmed, there's a garden for you to find of Jesus in the midst of it. Does this make sense? 
And when you go into that garden, it's not just like, uh, this is like a picture of the secret place, you know? It's not that you, you go into that garden and it's like, oh, everything's better now. It's like, no, 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 you go into that garden and you find the tree of life. Seek him out. That you find that tree of life, that he is going to release strength to your body. That he's going to release strength to your soul. He's going re- to enlarge in your heart. Am I making sense today? That when people come up to me, I had a friend who was just going through something really, really hard a, a number of weeks ago, and, and they just barely had the words for it. They were just overwhelmed by life. They were overwhelmed by, they just didn't have words. How many of you, you just don't have words sometimes? And they were overwhelmed, but they began to encounter Jesus in the midst of it. And there was this heaviness, this weightiness that just fell on that person that they were just weeping and crying and shaking and didn't know what to do. And I saw, like, kind of one by one, a number of people come over and sort of, like, sympathize and be like, it's going to be okay, you know. And I went over, and I got a chance to talk to them. I'm like, this is awesome. Don't try to get out of it. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, don't try to get out of it. This is amazing. What do you mean? This doesn't feel amazing. It will. That when you hit a breaking point, it's because God is trying to break you. When you hit breaking points, because God's trying to break you, he will never leave you. It's in that, in that point in time that we either seek him out or we go, we go medicate it somehow. You medicate it, guess what's going to happen? That medication will wear off, whatever that looks like. It could be just medicating it with people. It could be medicating it with, with, with terrible choices. But eventually that will wear off, and you're going to find yourself at that same breaking point again. But I have really good news for you. That's just God trying to break you. You know, you know, you know, world-class horse racers have to break in that horse before it's world-class fulfilling its purpose. That you, you, you can look at any horse that has a record in the Belmont, in the Preakness, in the Derby, and all of those horses are unbelievable. I mean, if you've ever seen them up close, they're unbelievable. I mean, it's crazy. Horses to me are just amazing. They're huge. They're like, they're just, a, I just amazed at God's creation when, it, when I see horses. And all of those horses were broken at some point in order for their jockey to bring them to their goal. Meaning this, that overwhelming thing that God is doing in your life, find Jesus in the, in the midst of it. Find Jesus in the midst of that very thing. And you're going to find that your promotion is waiting in the garden. That next level of stepping is waiting in the garden. Open up your Bibles. We'll do one verse and we're going to close here. (laughs) Open up your Bibles to Luke 22. Luke 22, verse 42. Luke 22, 42. This is where Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. And he has uh, had the Last Supper, and now he is making his approach to the cross. And he comes into the city. You know, this is the pinnacle 
of his earthly ministry, this is where he is fully going to complete the thing that he gave himself to do for God, the thing that he came. You know how many of you know Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost? And now he is headed to the cross, and this is the, the culmination of, of, mini- of his earthly ministry in bodily form. And he's in the garden, and he's praying, and he's overwhelmed by circumstance. And he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will be done, not mine. Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. <coughs> Yet I want your will be done, not mine. Do you, guys, do you guys see just this intimate thing that he just did with his heavenly father? He was transparent with him. He was open with him. He didn't hide his fear, his hurt, his anguish. He gave it to God. And in that moment, an exchange happened that God gave him grace to say, but your will be done. Your plan continue, God. Your purposes continue in my life today, God. And then it says, the next verse, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. That he's actually in a physical garden in this picture. How many of you know Jesus is going to speak about your garden right now? He's actually in the garden, and he's full of anguish. And he, he goes there, and he finds God. He meets with God. And in doing so, God gave him the exchange. That oftentimes, God is waiting to release strength into us, to release that angelic presence in your life, if you're willing to just hand over what's on your heart and not try to be overwhelmed and carry it yourself. That it's in the garden that he will strengthen you. Now, an angel of the Lord came and strengthened him. In the next verse, verse uh, 44, the next verse 44 might be a little surprising for some of us because it says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Meaning this, that he was strengthened by the Lord. He was strengthened, and rather than just escape, he went further in to God's will. He went further in to that purpose and plan. That any anguish, any, 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 f- the stuff that feels overwhelming, that too will pass if you're willing to walk through it with Jesus. And in that place, you're strengthened with the angelic activity of heaven, the supernatural grace of God. How many of you have been in a circumstance that you were overwhelmed and God met you and it was like, I mean, it was like drinking a, a, a cup of cold water to your soul. I mean, it was just refreshing. You felt like, wow, God, have you been here the whole time? How many of you have been in those circumstances where God meets you? You know, it's in those, it's in those circumstances that we meet God in the garden. So, so when, when you're thinking, where is that verse that says, <laughs> God won't give me more than I can handle? It's not there because he doesn't know how to give you only what you can handle. He will give you things according to his, the size of him and the size of who he sees you as. I mean, there are people in the Bible that had these radical calls. Are you guys still with me? We are, we're, we're, we're closing here. I, there are guys in the Bible that had radical calls of God on their life, and they were overwhelmed by it. Moses in Exodus 3. Moses in Exodus 3. Gideon. It says of Moses, that this is the burning bush, that he saw the burning bush. I'm in uh, Exodus 3. I'll just paraphrase for you guys. And Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush is on fire, but it's not burning up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him 
from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses, I'm in Exodus 2.4. Moses said, here I am. He said, don't come any closer. Take your sandals off for the place you're standing is holy. And he, fast forwarding to verse 9, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached God. And he tells Moses, I have heard them and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. Now verse 11, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Meaning what? He didn't even answer his question. How many of you are overwhelmed and you pour out your heart to God and he actually doesn't answer your question? He'll speak to you about something totally different but it, because this, he knows what you need to know. And he knows that, that, that Moses, it's not up to your power, it's not by your might, it's by my spirit. So I will be with you. Are you guys still with me? In Judges 6, this is the story of Gideon. Now this is where the, uh, the Amalekites and the Midianites were terrorizing Israel. So every, every crop, every livestock, the, the, the Amalekites and the Midianites would come down during harvest and steal everything from Israel. So they're like, I mean, they're basically subject to these, to these armies around them, to these other villages around them. And they keep coming and destroying everything that, that, that the nation, the people uh, of Israel are, are doing and working towards. And so they're incredibly discouraged and they cry out to God. Just like Israel and Egypt, they cry out to God, and it says that the Lord heard their cries, and the angel of the Lord came and sat under a tree that belonged to Joash, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites, to, to keep it from the people who were going to steal it. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon says, uh, excuse me, Lord. He says, pardon me. But if the Lord is with us, why is all this happening to us? Uh, if the Lord is with me, why is all this happening to me? Because Israel forgot who they were. Israel was forgetting the God over their life. The supremacy of Jesus, who's number one in everything. That he holds the keys to unlock any door in your life. That every breakthrough he holds the keys to. Are you, are you guys connecting with this? Wait, if God's with me, why is he circumstances? Stop looking at your circumstances for proof of the presence. Because if you're looking at your circumstances, your circumstances are changing, and you're, you're going to be a schizophrenic Christian that doesn't know how to release Jesus to the world. Because it better be a really good day for those circumstances to be right in order for you to know God. Does this make sense? Versus getting your eyes off of circumstances and on Jesus. I have news for you. I mean, he's like the, I mean, like getting your eyes on Jesus, you're not getting your eyes on a boring God. You're not getting your eyes on someone who's just sitting there looking back at you and it's like awkward, you're not talking. You're getting your eyes on the one who formed you in your inmost being. You're getting your eyes on the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first. You're getting your eyes on the one that holds all the keys. I mean, it is like having your best friend who is the greatest and the best at everything. 
And he's not sitting idly. He's always doing stuff. Jesus said that I must, I must keep working because the Father keeps working. And I do everything I see the Father doing. That when you're, when you're in a drive through line, Jesus, I was at, I'll just use an example. I was at a drive through line a couple weeks ago. It's probably not like the recipe for divine health, but I really was hungry. <laughs> and I'm at a drive through line. I get some chicken and chili. Thank you, Jesus. It's just meat, you know. And, and, and I'm at this drive through line. And I'm like, I'm, gonna, I'm going through. I'm like, I want to pray for this guy. He was just a cool guy, like, on the intercom. I liked him. So I just want to pray for him. And, and I get to, to the window or whatever, and, and you know, we exchange everything. And uh, I was like, hey, can I pray for you? And he's, like, limping around. He goes, you want to pray for me? And I was like, yeah. Oh, you're limping, too. Yeah, I just think, man, Jesus just loves you, dude. I just love your heart. Jesus loves you so much. He just wants to heal you. And just he just wants to come and fill you and change your life. And he, he looks at me. He goes, I think he's doing that right now. <laughs> you know, and it's like, thank you, Jesus. Amen. You don't have to, I don't have to put my hand on it. And, hey, g- brother, give me a testament. It's like, Amen. Keep, get your eyes, just keep it locked on Jesus. You know, when, 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 when you're overwhelmed by your life, start looking at what God is doing in the world. Get your eyes off of your circumstances. Start looking at what he's doing all over the world. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, I, I posted a testimony this week of, um, of a, a, a ministry where they produce Bibles in native languages all over the world. And they recently were able to produce 2,500 Bibles in a native uh, Islamic language in uh, the Middle East that ha- they've never had Bibles before. And this was um, a, a leader of the mili- of a militant uh, a terroristic group got a, came to came to a meeting where they were one of the pastors was giving away these Bibles. Just stay with me for a moment. Giving away these Bibles, he gets a hold of the Bible and gets saved. Okay. Then, then that militant group of 2,500 soldiers, he goes back to them and he shares. They demand to know about Jesus. So they come to a meeting to, to, to know what are, you, like, what are these claims. They come to a meeting, uh, a, a, a pastor just shares the gospel, proclaims, the, proclaims the, uh, the goodness of God and shares the gospel. All 2,500 get saved. I'm just telling you, sometimes... Just get your eyes off your circumstances. Get them on what Jesus is doing. Get them on what the Spirit is doing at work in the world. You know, and it's amazing. It, you know, there, 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 there is a garden of intimacy in the middle of our circumstances, in the middle of our overwhelmingness, in the middle of that thing that feels uncertain, that feels like it doesn't have closure, that feels like I don't have answers to it, there's a garden in that place that Jesus wants to meet you in. That he wants to come and, and he, wa- he wants to know what's on your heart. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to fill you with a supernatural grace. He wants to send, how many of you know he wants to send angels to you? You're not like that Christian that repels angels. <laughs> You're not that Christian that repels the supernatural. That's a total lie. That kind of Christian doesn't even exist. It's just the one that won't go into the garden to receive. That won't go into the garden to to, to be made new in your heart. You know... The story, of, the story of the garden when there was a tree of life and a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Do you guys remember the story? 
and they were told Adam and Eve not to eat out of the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the serpent came and deceived, and, 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 um, and they ate out of it. And that, that's where the fall came from. Sin entered into to God's creation. The fall came into the world. And then what it says, and, and it's just really interesting, it says, uh, one of the things I've always thought about, I'm like, I was just thinking, like, man, why didn't they eat the tree of life? Because that was never guarded. It was, it, it's always been there for consumption. It was, it was one of the trees that had no boundaries. That they were in the middle of, and they had full access to that tree of life. And then what it says is when the fall came, you know, and they had a, God actually had to go and protect that tree and surround it with a flaming sword. You guys can read it. It's awesome. And no, now no one could get to that tree. Why? Because here's the situation. If you ate from that tree, you would have eternal life. And sin enter, entered into the world. So if you had sin and ate from that tree, sin would be eternal. So God, know, God knew. God knew. He protected it so that there would there, because there is no sin in his presence. This just follow me for one moment here. There's no sin in his presence. There is no sin in Jesus. He is perfect in every way. He, so he protected this tree of life so that sin would not be eternal, meaning this, that there is a day coming that there would be no more brokenness, sin, or pain. It's called the fullness of the kingdom of God being released. And that your job, my job, is to release that kingdom until he fully comes back. And now we have access to the tree of life. Jesus actually calls him, you, I mean, Jesus calls himself the tree. You know that, right? It says in John 15, I am the tree, or I am the vine, you're the branches. So just put your hand on your heart right now. Holy Spirit, we just give you access, God. And we give you permission, God, to come and to detangle us, God, from our circumstances by bringing us into a garden of your presence, God. God, I thank you for bringing us into circumstances that are overwhelming because in that place, you're making me bigger. God, you're making my calling right. God, you're setting me on the right path. That God, there is no circumstance beyond your sight, beyond your ability to renew, to restore, and to make whole, God. So Jesus, this week, God, when I feel overwhelmed, I am going to take that as an invitation to run into your presence as an invitation that you are growing me to the size of your vision for me. And Jesus, I just fix my eyes on you. And I say, God, would you come? Would you come? Would you pour out your presence in my heart and in my life today, God? Would you pour out, God, this week? Would you pour out, God? Everything, Lord, that you're holding for me. Everything you're holding for me, Jesus, would you pour it out, God? Thank you, Jesus. Just put your hand on your neighbor. Just tell him he is pouring out on you. He is pouring out on you. That he's pouring out on your circumstances. That he's pouring out on you. And that you're going to release Jesus as you find him in the garden. Thank you, Lord.
All right, we're going to close with some declarations. You guys ready? Why don't you stand up? All right, so let's declare these together. When we use declarations, we're using the power of life and death over our life. We're using our words, and we're connecting our words with our faith to, to biblical truth. And how many of you know, when you release a word, it will manifest in your life if you're releasing it with faith. It actually is impossible that it won't. Okay. All right, so let's declare these. I set the course of my life with my words. God is on my side. Therefore, I declare, I cannot be discouraged. I cannot be defeated. I am the head, not the tail. I have insight. I have ideas. I have wisdom. I have divine strategies. And I have authority. As Abraham did, I speak God's promises over my life. And my faith is being strengthened to possess all that Jesus has won for me. I expect to have powerful divine appointments to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to raise the dead, to raise the dead, to prophesy life, to lead people to Jesus. To bring deliverance and to release signs and wonders every place I go. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good job.